0: So Dad, if you had one last meal before dying, what would be your last meal?
1: You know, I've always thought when, whenever you, I hear about that somebody is condemned and they get a last meal, I thought I don't think I would care. Really? About what I'm eating? Does I'd you be like something unhealthy or uh, something. I, you know, knowing that you're going to be electrocuted or That's true. you know put to death somehow, yeah. I, I don't know if I'd be thinking about it. <laughs> but
0: I ran into this meme last week that had uh, there's this woman on death row. And the guard comes up and says, "What would you like for your last meal?" And she goes, "I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> what oh, would you eat?" So good. I have no, I mean, it would just be something unhealthy. Yeah, what does well, it matter? You're gonna die, right? But here we see Jesus picks his last meal, and believe it or uh, not, maybe
1: maybe something with quaaludes in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> right? So you yeah, don't know you what's go. going on. Right. Sorry to interrupt there, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, here Jesus picks his last meal, and it's very intentional why he picks what he picks yeah. for his last meal. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. know that. And we're going to get into that today. We're in Luke chapter 22. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And we're actually in my dad's basement right now. We yeah. had to move out of the church because our staff has gotten so big and loud. They're, they're
1: so noisy. They just, you, know, <laughs> right. it, you, know, you know who the, the, the biggest offenders are.
0: Yeah. Do, do we need to say? Yeah. No. No, we don't. No, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but right now we're in a basement. I'm staring at a a. Uh, A picture of Charles Spurgeon smoking a cigar. (laughs) This is my dad's man cave. It it was where I lived during COVID because I was between houses with my girls. So it's just kind of fun to be back down here.
1: And And, and Nicole actually lived here before you were married when you were at Moody she first moved down yeah. when we were here. This was Nicole's home. Yeah, yeah this is Nicole's home, and it was our home for a while. And We've had a lot of uh, college-age kids living in this section right here, but yeah. now it's mine. Now
0: it's the man cave, and it's fun to be down here with Spurgeon smoking a cigar. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right, Luke chapter 22, verse 1. Uh, I'll start us off. It says, The festival of unleavened bread, which would be Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting to kill Jesus. But they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. I just want to pause there for a second, Dad. What does that mean? I had my daughter asked me the other night, you know, because she said that sometimes she'll have these thoughts that she knows are sinful, mm-hmm. you know. And she said, "Is that is that Satan putting thoughts in my mind?" I told her, "Well, no, our hearts are are broken, mm-hmm. um, and one day our God will completely remake us, and we won't have that." But so we are bent right now towards sin. But here we have Satan entering into somebody, which is very rare, right? This is not yeah. something that happens a lot, a lot of times.
1: Well, no. When you consider Satan is only one, he's not. Right. He, he can't be in more than one place at at one time. So I doubt that he's going to mess with me. Yeah. But, and that's that would be a, a good answer, I think, for for Maddie. But I I also and I I remember in seminary hearing from professors talking about what Satan can't do, and but I also. And, and I challenged that. I remember challenging it in class just by saying, I don't know that we know what he can and can't do. And even and we know that he also has an army of demons. We do know that there he has powers beyond our knowledge. And could it be that he inserts thoughts in people's brains? I, I If it's possible, if scientifically in any way that it's possible in the world that God created, that that could be done, then I'm sure he's figured out how to do that or how his demons have, have been able to do that. We don't know what his power is, but we do know that he does not have power over one who has the Holy Spirit in them. Yeah. So if we belong to Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us. The Apostle Paul made it clear: Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Yeah. Now Judas was still of the world. I mean, he was not. Even though he was following Jesus, there had not been any kind of a repentant turnaround in his life. He did not. And the Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet. And so the Satan did, entered into him, and he gave control of himself over to Satan. Yeah. And here you have a
0: man who follows Jesus. He's with Jesus every day, which just goes to show you can have the best of teachers, the best of pastors, mm-hmm. the best of family around you, the mm-hmm. best of friends, and you can still be a wide-open t- target to the enemy. That's exactly right. So Satan enters into Judas Iscariot. And he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted, and they promised to give him money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. Now the festival of unleavened bread, or uh, um, Passover, arrived. When the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Now, this in and of itself is a miracle because Mm -hmm. Passover in Jerusalem is packed. There is Mm -hmm. not a room anywhere in the city. And yet Jesus is saying, go follow this guy. You're going to find an open room.
1: And it's interesting because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, now we've been through Matthew, Mark, and now we're on Luke. They all tell the same story. This was a big deal to them. This, this story mattered to them because, again, it was so enlightening that Jesus is preparing everything, and yeah. he was preparing for this last meal, and he was preparing for the speech he was going to give them yeah. and preparing for his own death, yeah. which is a good reminder to us as well that whatever it is that we're going through life it's a, can be a shock to us, but nothing ever shocks him. No,
0: this last meal mattered. Verse 12 says, He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare a meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, "I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until it is its meaning is is fulfilled in the kingdom of God." Now that's an interesting phrase Mm -hmm. right there. Yeah, because he's saying um, this meal. This mm-hmm. Passover meal, which has been this meal that people eat in anticipation for the coming Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, they would sacrifice a lamb for their sin. Uh, and even as Jesus as a kid would sit there with his parents, and they would they would watch a lamb bleed out, and they would eat the lamb for, for supper. And now Jesus is saying that this meal is fulfilled mm-hmm. in me. Really what he's saying is I'm that lamb, mm-hmm. that lamb that we're going to eat as a Passover meal th- that died for our sin. That is me. I'm that final sacrificial lamb.
1: And yes, and we know it wasn't a surprise because even John the Baptist knew about this because John the Baptist had pointed at Jesus to his crowd, his own, pe- the people that were following him, John, yeah. and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. And speaking of this Passover lamb. Right.
0: So now when we take communion, to so like uh, mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks, or in this. Coming week, we're gonna take communion as mm-hmm. a church at the bridge. At yeah. least if you go to the bridge, we're gonna take communion. Uh, Jesus said, This is the bread, you know, this is the juice, mm-hmm. it represents my body, my blood. Um, it's a not a replacement, but it's it's um, what would you say, like a
1: well, it's a memorial of both that that meal. Of course, that meal was a prophecy of what was about to take place. Yeah. Now, when we take communion, it's a memorial yeah. of what took place.
0: So just as Jesus would have ate a lamb as a child. Thinking mm-hmm. of the coming Messiah, the final lamb, that was him. Mm-hmm. So we eat the bread and the body looking back yeah. on the Messiah.
1: And, and honestly, Junior, I, I really think, and I, I think in the early church, they continued to eat this as a meal. And I think that that was Jesus' intention. Yeah. Now, of course, as the church grew, then it got to the place where that meal with a very large crowd. We know that there was 8,000 people in the early church, people that yeah. in, in, in Jerusalem, people that say they don't like big churches. They wouldn't have liked the model right. church. right. But that when they did it then, it, there seemed to have been a transition where it was made smaller and the emphasis was on the memorial. But something that I l- really like to think of, and that is when Jesus said, every time you eat of this, I, I wonder how much would change in us if every time we sat down for a meal. Yeah. I'm not saying of every meal we have is communion, but what if we used every meal as a memorial? for Jesus' suffering on our behalf. Yeah. yeah, I, Because I know what communion does for me, and I, and I think that that constant reminder of Jesus' death for us is so good for us. Yeah. yeah. That's good.
0: Uh, do you want to take it to verse 17?
1: Sure. Then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it, and then he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it, then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples and said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me now i grew up in a church where it was emphasized that that wine literally was jesus's blood and that bread literally was jesus's body because jesus said this is my body and this is my blood and and says well jesus isn't going to lie and i agree jesus doesn't lie but he did speak in analogies all the time he also said i am the door and jesus didn't lie but that didn't mean that he was made of wood with a doorknob and hinges. And, right. and he said, I'm the road. It didn't mean that he was made out of back then stones or yeah. the Roman cement. He he was using an analogy. And the yeah. disciples understood that because Jesus was right there. The blood was still pumping through his right. veins and his body was intact. Yeah. yeah. so He didn't have this. a needle and was bleeding himself right. out in cups. And, right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he took the bread and uh, said, this is my body, verse 20. He After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people. That's an agreement, meaning an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So that's where we get the term that, you know, the, the uh, 26 books that we call the New Testament is the new covenant. And we get that term from here. Jesus is saying, these are the books of the new covenant. And what we call the Old Testament, those were the books of the Old Covenant, which was pointing towards the coming Messiah. Verse 21, But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man, again, we have that term, Son of Man, meaning God, having been born of people, must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? The disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. This is like, I think, a quiet discussion among them. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. (laughs) How quickly, which one of us is going to betray Jesus? No, I'm not going to because I'm the best. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people. They are called friends of the people, but among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Man, I, I love that. And as yeah. Christians, we've got to take that seriously. Well, we
0: looked at that last week when Jesus mm-hmm. said, don't go sit toward the head of the table, be the one who serves. Yeah.
1: And I, and I made a statement about, I, I know I'm in trouble and anybody calls me reverend. And you wouldn't believe how many people have been calling me reverend yeah. now lately <laughs> since then. But that was Jesus's point is that if we're in leadership, and that's where the term servant leadership came from, from right here. That Jesus was teaching us to serve. You have stayed with me in my time of trial, and just as the Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Man, there's a big one that gets a lot of questions. Yeah, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, sit on thrones. Yep.
0: Yeah. When we 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 uh, in Revelation, you know, we hear of the twelve thrones, the mm-hmm. elders. Yep. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is the apostles. That's what I've always yeah. It's actually 24,
1: because and some would say that it's the representative of the 12 tribes, and then representative of the 12 apostles. Yeah, yeah. And so, and there will be there'll be a system, a hierarchy Mm -hmm. in heaven that I know this this great quest for equity that everybody has to be the same and all the outcomes have to be the same. You don't see that as a value anywhere in scripture. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and instead, God delights in diversity yeah. and some of us
0: walk into the kingdom of God, some of us are going to be pretty wealthy yeah. and pretty poor. Yeah. It'll be great that we're, not, I shouldn't say poor, because we're in the kingdom of God, so it's awesome. Right. Yeah. But there will be levels of, of
1: reward, for sure. There will be, yeah. yes. And he uh, continues uh, then in verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Wow. In other words, it's, 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 Satan is after you. But I have pleaded a prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. He's foretelling that Peter's going to fall away. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even, you will deny three times that you even know me. Yeah. Hmm.
0: And that is where we will stop today in Luke chapter twenty two. We'll pick good, up the rest. Good lesson of the in
1: that is simply that man. Before we have too much pride and thinking that no, oh, I'm you no, know, we we have to be constantly watching out after ourselves. But Jesus knew this was going to happen, and He still loved Peter, and He said, "When you have repented, because I know that you're going to fall, but I also know you're going to handle it correctly." Yeah.
0: Which shows you that, I mean, it seems like from this text, God forgives you before you even sin.
1: He, he has to because you know um, all of this forgiveness it was granted to us right. before we were even yep. born. Yep.
0: All right. Well, Ecclesiastes chapter five is mm-hmm. the the corresponding chapter that we're going to read and again. You're going to read this on your own, but I want to pick out verse one. It's pretty. I, you know, I just started reading it just to see what do we want to pick out. Yeah. I didn't get through verse one until I was like, "Well, that's the one." <laughs> yeah, that is. It Says, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. <laughs> now, here's where it's really. <laughs> can kind of kick you is it is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Oh. And how often have we been guilty of singing songs mm. just out of the motions, not really thinking about what we're singing, not really giving any sort of adoration to God, but just singing out of the motions. Yeah. That scripture says is evil. Mm. Let's be careful. First off, let's show up for church and let's be worshipers Let's engage in worship. And as we engage in worship, let's really put our adoration on the one who deserves it all. Mm. Well, that is it for today. Thanks for joining, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. Yeah. have a have a
1: great Monday.